1: Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to The Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living today. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show, and you can learn more about The Yoga Hour at our website, theyogahour.com. Our topic today is Stop Reacting and Reclaim Your Power. We will be discussing how understanding our triggers can help us to find peace and lasting emotional well-being. I am delighted to be joined today by David Richo, PhD, a psychotherapist, writer, and workshop leader whose work emphasizes the benefits of mindfulness and loving kindness in personal growth and emotional well-being. He is the author of several books, including How to Be an Adult in Relationships, and The Five Things We Cannot Change. Today, we are discussing his book, Triggers, How We Can Stop Reacting and Start Healing. His website is com. At the moment, we're having a little bit of difficulty connecting with uh, Dr. Richo, but hopefully he'll be joining us momentarily. In the meantime, we'll go ahead and dive into our moment of contemplation. So... <clears> oh, <throat> Let's begin by bringing our attention fully present to this moment, this moment now. Let's bring our attention to our body and just feel our body in space, whatever we're doing feeling whatever is connecting us to the surfaces that support us. Perhaps we're sitting in a chair or on a cushion, or perhaps we're walking. We can feel our feet as they connect to the floor, feel if there's a chair supporting our weight. And then taking a moment to turn our attention to our breath and just noticing the next inhale And exhale. Noticing on the inhale the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, the warm air flowing out. Again, just noticing the natural flow of our breath. Not trying to change it, but just noticing. And as we rest here, right where we are, Here's something to contemplate from the founder and spiritual director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, from her book, Living for the Sake of the Soul. We are all working on our master's degrees. We are here to attain spiritual mastery, to consciously live in the freedom and joy of the soul, fulfill our destiny, and make a positive contribution to life The curriculum is to study yourself, observe the connection between thoughts, beliefs, and experiences. With mature spirituality, the need for outer approval gives way to the difficult task of searching diligently within, finding and claiming the inner authority of the true self. Again, with mature spirituality, the need for outer approval gives way to the difficult task of searching diligently within, finding and claiming the inner authority of the true self. Oh. Hi. Is this Dr. Richo? Yes. Hi, and oh, wonderful. I am so glad that we were able to reach you. I, I know there was some yeah. confusion there about, <laughs> about which number yeah, to call. Well, I
0: apologize for getting mixed up, but here I am. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, perfect. No problem. So I was just going into doing a little ad-lib myself of a question that I was going to ask you. So I will turn it back to you. So what is a trigger and uh, what causes it?
0: A trigger is a reaction that we have to something that someone says or does or even is. And it usually has to do with anger or fear or sadness, one of those three feelings. And we're automatically, shall we say, pushed into it without a choice. And what I've noticed is that this triggering happens because there's something in us that needs to be looked at. And so when people trigger us, they're not causing a reaction, they're they're being the catalyst mm-hmm. and actually the reaction that we're having could be looked at as helping us because It's kind of a trailhead, is the word I use, into that forest of ourselves where we have a lot of leftover, shall we say, unfinished business, even from childhood or from recent relationships. And so a triggering is bigger than just a reaction. And in my book, Triggers, I try to show how this can all be looked at and really be helpful to us. Helpful Mm -hmm. in the sense of you know yourself better.
1: So, you have written many books that we've actually looked at before as uh, having on the show. And, And this is just the first time we've had the opportunity to invite you on as a guest. I'm delighted that you could join me today. And I was wondering, so what was it that made you want to write this book about triggers? What was it that, that attracted you to the topic and made you think that it was an important book to write?
0: Well, that's a very simple question. Uh, this is my 51st year as a psychotherapist. Mm. And, of, you know, three years ago, I asked myself the question, what's the word that you hear most from clients? And it was triggers. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, then triggers must be an important topic. And so I started, you know, looking into it, meditating on it, looking at my own triggers. And gradually I realized that it was a much bigger topic than uh, we give it credit for. Mm-hmm. So that's what led to the book.
1: No, that's great. The uh, topic is an important one, and I really like the way that you describe triggers as a way of notifying us when we have unfinished business. That it's something that we can look at, and and I also appreciated the way that you describe triggers as you separate out as we we. Tend to look at the trigger and say that caused the reaction, and yet you separate that and say no there's a catalyst, the trigger for the for our reaction, and we have a choice about how we respond, although you do point out that that's there are certain extreme cases, for example, if you know you are physically attacked or there i mean there are you know bigger <laughs> bigger triggers oh, yeah. that people yeah. have you know can deal with, and we don't want. You know anyone to feel guilty or ashamed of the fact that they would res- they have responded like anyone would respond if they were, for example, physically attacked, something like that. Mm-hmm. Did you want to say more about that sort of separation between um, the catalyst and our response?
0: Yes, when it's something that's truly abusive or sudden, even for instance, a subtle noise startles you, that would be an example of you're being triggered. And there the cause is the loud sound that anybody would react to. But when it's personal to you, and it has to do with what somebody says or does or how they're acting, then they're the catalyst that are that are creating the opportunity for some type of reaction, and you're the one who's having it in your way. For instance, let's say somebody gives you feedback that shows you you've been doing something that isn't quite right, Mm -hmm. and your reaction is to be very upset and defensive instead of taking it as it's meant which is something that could help you well you're the one who is reacting defensively whereas somebody else might react with appreciation well that's Mm -hmm. hard to hear because my big ego doesn't like it when somebody tells me I'm wrong in any way but I can tell you're trying to help me, so thank you for your feedback. That's that's a, re- a reaction that is not a trigger. Whereas, how dare you tell me that, who the hell are you? That becomes, uh, that's the trigger. Right. And there, you've, what's happened is your ego has become indignant, and that's you and your reaction, it was not caused by the feedback. The feedback just created the opportunity.
1: Yes. That's
0: the nature of a catalyst.
1: Right. I love that. And I really liked your your imagery earlier when you talked about it's leading us into a forest. It's leading us into a forest of an area of ourselves, perhaps, that we haven't explored, that we don't understand, And then there's this wonderful opportunity to be able to change due to, as you talk about in the book, due to neuroplasticity, due to our ability to rewire our nervous systems, which we know happens now based on current neuroscience thinking. It's an opportunity for us to not only learn something about ourselves, but to change the way that we respond, change our reaction into a response in the example that you just gave, right?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I was going to ask something about your meditation practice. You mentioned that you were meditating about the idea for this book, and I know that you come from a Buddhist tradition, and um, obviously this is the Yoga Hour. I come from a yoga tradition of meditation, but meditation has so many benefits, regardless of which type of meditation you you practice. And what I find for myself. Is my meditation practice allows me kind of that moment when I am triggered? There's a moment about deciding. If I'm going to go get triggered into anxiety or or anger or fear, those kinds of things, there's just like this little millisecond there (laughs) that I Mm -hmm. that it feels like I have a choice. And when my meditation practice is active, it feels like that time, that little tiny moment actually can expand a little bit. And I, I have a little bit more time to have a different reaction, to choose a different reaction how would you say that your meditation practice, what has it shown you about how you respond to triggers?
0: Uh, the same as what you just said, but I do want to make a comment on it. When you said, uh, I, tried, I look and realize I can decide and then do decide, that's the equivalent of freedom. Mm. Triggers are compulsive. There is no freedom. I just suddenly become defensive. I didn't choose to go there. I was just hurled into it uh, internally. And so an important feature of triggers is that uh, push rather than choose. So meditation is the bridge between pushing and choosing.
1: Mm. No, I love, I love you, that, tie to yeah, freedom. That, that is beautiful. One to the other. I'm sorry, what was that again?
0: That's how you move from one to the other. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. That's so great. So when we've been talking about triggers to this point, we've been talking about negative triggers, which I think is where most people go when they think about being triggered. They go mm-hmm. to the anger or anxiety, fear that we've been talking about. And you point out in the book that not all triggers are negative, that some are also positive. Would you give perhaps an example of something like that.
0: Yes. Uh, love at first sight
1: mm.
0: would be positive trigger because you didn't choose to have such a reaction of attraction, but um, it just happened. And that would be an example of a positive one. You still have to Uh, take a look at it, it would still be a wise idea to ask yourself, is this real? What's actually happening here? And that's where the meditative part would come in. But that's an example of a positive one.
1: That's a great example. Again, something that, that people often have an experience of we all have experiences, too, of those feelings of oneness where perhaps it's a beautiful scene we see in nature it's something that um yeah seeing a, a, a newborn baby mm-hmm. or something like that would be yeah. other examples,
0: right oh yeah, yeah, awe in nature a w e yeah. yeah that would be an example of uh you know you're suddenly struck with a sense of wonder, yes, or joy, pleasure, uh, spiritual response. Those would all be positive ones.
1: Right. And somehow those aren't the, neg- those aren't the troublesome ones <laughs> that, we, right. that we worry yes. about. They're more the ones that you talk about in your book about the anger and fear. And you do give a lot of, of background of, of the science of triggers in the book. So what is happening in our brain when we are triggered?
0: You're suddenly, um, shall we say, taken over by the part of the brain that, uh, for instance, it could be the amygdala, if it's an immediate fear. And the thinking part of your brain, the, the prefrontal cortex, is offline, when this triggering happens. So that's why you don't get a chance to think it out, you just suddenly react. And that sudden reaction is from the liminal, um, the, I'm sorry, limbic system in the brain as opposed to the part that looks at things logically. So that's why we shouldn't blame ourselves when we have a sudden reaction because we actually didn't have a choice. That's what I mean by triggers. Being triggered is the opposite of freedom.
1: Yes, and I I really appreciated you pointing that out because you mentioned in the book, we think afterwards. Oh, I could have said this. I should have said that. And yet, from your description, our frontal cortex is very nearly offline when this is happening. Is that right?
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: So, so that's we, why we you couldn't, missed we the couldn't point think when you blame response.
0: yourself. Right. Okay. You, you weren't in a position to be able to think because that part has shut down. Mm-hmm. I mean, it comes back online very quickly if you let it but um it's the very nature of a trigger too the reason it's mother nature is doing that is because you know she thinks that this is so serious that it's important for us to flee or fight so that we can survive right so that's why it's so important so not stop and philosophize, <clears throat> but to take immediate action.
1: Absolutely. And that fight-or-flight response, as we all know, when we are triggered in that, it, it, uh, <laughs> we don't have a lot of choice. We're just gone down that mm-hmm. pathway. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciated the quote from the Bible that you used from uh, Philippians 4.8, teaching from St. Paul. And to summarize, he said, we should think of good things, anything lovely, admirable, right, or praiseworthy as a practice as a spiritual practice and in the teachings of the spiritual philosophy of yoga there's a similar teaching from the yoga sutra of patanjali in uh, 233 it says when disturbed by negative thoughts opposite or positive ones should be thought of i believe there is also um something along that line in the buddhist teachings as well so um this idea of of reflecting on the positive as a way of of um, uh, appreciation probably gratitude but also as a as a response is something that's in major world scriptures, going back thousands of years, so this issue of being triggered is not is not a new one. <laughs> um, no. Would you Would you say more about this idea of of um, this quote that you had in Philippians? Why did you Why did you include that quote? And what do you think that that practice could bring?
0: What I liked about the quote is it showed that you have a choice that you can, uh, shall we say redirect your mind to something positive even when uh, your mind just automatically wants to go to the negative, you can get to the place at which you can bring in your own positive thought. And I like that idea that we're not... um, totally at the mercy of our triggers, that as we use the trigger to take a look at ourselves and as we pause long enough to let the thinking part of the mind come back online, then we can um, direct ourselves to a new way of thinking. For instance, when the, in the example I gave before, when the person was giving us positive feedback, well-intentioned, we right. could calmly get to the point of saying, wait a minute, he was really trying to help me. Mm. And, you know, it, that's my ego reacting and stopping me from letting in something positive. So my positive thought is people are trying to help me.
1: Right and so helpful if we can reach that that point and Mm -hmm. even to approach this idea of triggers as if it can trigger us into curiosity rather than that reaction Mm -hmm. rather than that automatic reaction which I think you got to sort of when you talked about it going into the forest of an unknown area of ourselves and being triggered into curiosity rather than the the automatic reaction, which might be fear or anxiety. And with that, we have come to the break. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with my guest, Dr. Dave Richo. Dr. Richo is a psychotherapist, writer, and workshop leader, and the author of the book we're discussing today, Triggers, How We Can Stop Reacting and Start Healing. His website is DaveRicho.com. We'll be posting links to his website and his book on our website, TheYogaHour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us through the website at TheYogaHour.com. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host of the show. When we come back from the break, we'll explore more about how to stop reacting and reclaim our power. We'll be right back. Experience the Difference. Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World. Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. Insights and Practices for Spiritually Conscious Living. Welcome back from the break. This is Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and I'm here today with Dr. Dave Richo author of the book, Triggers, How We Can Stop Reacting and Start Healing. So the title of our program today is Stop Reacting and Reclaim Your Power. And Dave, I'd like to spend this time focusing on how we can reclaim our power and overcome our triggers. And in the book, you offer many different ways, what you call handy tools, to support ourselves in responding rather than reacting to triggers. We've already talked about one, which is having a a meditation practice, an active meditation practice, and that's a really important thing that we encourage everyone to do. Some of the other tools that you talk about, two of the other tools are naming and journaling. So Dave, can you talk about naming and or journaling and say how they work in helping us to respond rather than react to our triggers.
0: And this is a practice that helped me a lot. Um, when you start making notes in your journal of the various ways you've been triggered in the course of the day, you will notice a specific theme. For instance, I'm. Uh, it seems like I always am triggered when... Uh, I displease a man or I displease a woman. Mm -hmm. And it's, let's say, consistence. I'm using a a simple example. And I get scared if I notice that a woman in my life uh, is upset with me. Seems like it's very important that I not upset a woman It's scary. Mm. When I look at my own childhood and I notice that upsetting my mother led to her either turning away from me or hitting me, I get it that I'm still reacting to a childhood issue Mm -hmm. and it has nothing to do with the actual women in my life right now it's somehow they uh, have my mother's face on them. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so scary rather than that I upset the specific women in my daily life. So when you notice that that's one of your uh, definite triggers and you see it happening over and over, that makes you rename it as uh, I stated very well in the name of title of one of my other books, which is "When the Past Is Present," mm. so that's what's happening. The past has suddenly interfered with the present.
1: Right, right.
0: So, and that is also an example of how you would go into the forest of your own childhood. To look at all the unfinished business you still have with mother, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have if mother if mother business were all taken care of, then there wouldn't be such a reaction to women. And of course, the whole thing works also with father. Right. So if you right. only react to you know if it, if it only bothers you when you upset men, then you might ask, is this about father? Right.
1: And I should take a moment. You mentioned this in the book as well. There are definitely issues and traumas that go beyond our ability to handle on our own. And I know personally, therapy has been a really wonderful, wonderful thing for me in my life In the various times that I've had therapy. So would also encourage people, if it seems that this is too big of an issue to tackle on your own, definitely find someone. Find someone to speak with.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So Yeah, it would be almost impossible to do this entirely on your own.
1: Yeah. Well, especially a, an underlying issue like the one that you that you just mentioned. When you were describing naming and journaling, as you just were, it seems as though taking ownership of the trigger is an important part of the process. So how does that mm-hmm. help us when we take ownership of the trigger?
0: When instead of saying, you made me have this reaction, you say, oh, when this happens, I tend to react this way, and it's about me, it's not about the other person. In other words, it it goes back to the distinction we made between cause and catalyst. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A windy day, I'm sorry, a cold day did not cause you to wear an overcoat. It's the catalyst that led you, as a sensible person, to wear a heavy jacket. Yes. But it didn't cause you to wear a heavy jacket. You could wear a light jacket and shiver. That's your choice.
1: Yeah, but great, great example. the cold day
0: caused nothing. Right. You could just stay in your house and not wear a, a, a coat of any kind. You follow what I mean? That's yes. the difference yeah. between catalysts and costs.
1: Yeah. I thought, think that was a really good example. So, inner resources. This is something that I think many spiritual paths encourage us to develop inner resources. You certainly talk about inner resources in your book and Kriya Yoga, the the yoga that is studied at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which is the sponsor of this program, um, we use draw from the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali's uh, Patanjali to um, help us to encourage us to develop these inner resources. So, some that you talk about in the book are serenity, courage, and wisdom. And I really like how you slightly rephrase the Serenity Prayer that is used in twelve step programs, and I believe it's on page sixty nine. Would you share that with us?
0: Uh, okay. If you
1: don't have the book, I believe I have it. So.
0: No, no, I have it right here, okay. um, and I did want to say that the Serenity Prayer is was written in nineteen forty three by Reinhold Niebuhr, who is a Lutheran theologian. And obviously, it was written during World War II. And it's meant to give us a wonderful prayer. And it's meant to help us um, see the difference between um, where we do have power and where we don't. Mm So he has, may I have the serenity to accept what can't be changed, the courage to change what is ready to be changed, and the wisdom to know the difference. I mean, I'm sorry, that's how I phrased it, uh, based on his original version. So when you say that, you distinguish between what you do have control over and what you don't have control over. And, of course, again, it's on the topic of freedom. Uh, When I let myself be ruled by what can't be changed, then I find myself scared. But when I accept what can't be changed and work with it, uh, it doesn't uh, scare me as much.
1: I also like how you, you've reframed the courage to change what is ready to be changed.
0: Yes. The like reason that. I put that in is because I wanted to respect timing. Oh. Um, see, we get the impression that all we have to do is work on something and it'll change. And that's not really true. Things have an inner timing. And you can only change certain things when your whole psyche is ready to make a change. Mm.
1: That's lovely. I, I think it's very respectful of our inner process. And yeah. also as you as you just mentioned, we do want to feel that we have control over most things, many things even when it's really not true <laughs> exactly. that we do and so this serenity prayer, the serenity, courage and wisdom of these these three inner resources are um, it, it really is beautiful it's a beautiful way it's a beautiful thing to remind ourselves of when we are caught in something that we perhaps wish was already changed <laughs> um, and it's not
0: yeah and by the way um my new book is coming out soon. It's called Ready, and it's about timing. Ah. It's called well. uh, something like, uh, let's see, Ready is the title, and then the subtitle is something like uh, How to Know When to Go and, or When to Stay.
1: Mm. Like how to know
0: when to relationship is over or when to stay with it. Yeah. And I point out that a lot of that is based on timing that's out of our hands.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I do want to go back because you brought up about inner resource, and I want to give a quote from the Alcoholics Anonymous book. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and this is on page 567 of that book. Uh, and members, the word members refers to alcoholics in recovery. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. So that says it all. First, you find that you have an inner resource you can work with your triggers you don't have to be ruled by them anymore and then you realize that that powerful inner resource is the same as what you might call the divine or Mm -hmm. god within so i think that is how we connect the spiritual and the psychological Mm. So you you're, you find the inner resource, that's your psychological work, and then you realize that the inner resource is what you've always thought of as God. Mm. This is a very, very profound realization, mm-hmm. as far as I can see. And uh, it's from that book. <clears throat> alcoholics
1: none of us yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you for going back to that point so another inner resource is contentment is this is one of the practices of Kriya Yoga that I was mentioning and the promise because each of these practices in the yoga philosophy has a, a, a promise so if you are if you are successful at practicing contentment the promise as stated in the yoga yoga sutras is be content now and realize unshakable happiness this is also one of the inner resources that you talk about saying yes to what is mm-hmm. saying yes to what is so would you share with us the daily affirmation that you use which apparently is on page 70
0: okay is this the one about i say yes to all That Happens? Yes. Okay, hold it one sec.
1: Or I can read well, it. you're way ahead of me. You've got,
0: why don't you read it?
1: Since... Okay. <laughs> uh, this is what you, uh, what you write. May I say yes to all that happens to me today as an opportunity to love more and fear less. Mm, I'm going to read it again. May I say yes to all that happens to me today as an opportunity to love more and fear less. So Mm -hmm. how is this important in overcoming our triggers? How is that philosophy of saying yes to whatever happens to me today important?
0: Uh, The crucial word there, and by the way, um, I think this is a wonderful statement to start the day with. and the the crucial word is opportunity. To see triggers as opportunities for self-knowledge and for self-change and for self-acceptance. So to know, to change, to accept. Uh, it turns the triggers into chances for spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean. And in that same paragraph, it says, every trigger is a given of life. To say yes to the probability that people will say or do what triggers us is to face life and relationship as spiritually conscious adults. Mm -hmm. We understand, then, that that anything can happen to any of us. We can't expect a special deal or an entitlement to an exemption. Yes is the only link between what happens to us and what good we can make of it, that is, as an opportunity for fearless love. Mm. And that leads to our affirmation, which you just read. Mm. So, that's how it all comes together.
1: That's, that's quite beautiful. So thank you for that. That really... Worthwhile practice, I think. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about inner resources, and you speak in the book or write in the book about guarding our inner resources and using self discipline to do that. And self discipline is one of the three key practices of, of Kriya Yoga set out in the Yoga Sutras, which is self discipline, self study, and self surrender. And self study, in a way, is what we've been talking about in being triggered into curiosity it's always very interesting to me when i can get to that place when i am being triggered about something and and realize ah it's an opportunity to find out something perhaps that i haven't seen yet about myself so self-study is wonderful and then self-discipline which you talk about as important to guarding our and protecting our inner resources so would you say more about that
0: um i came up with the idea of guarding the inner resources because they could be depleted when we act in codependent ways with other people. Mm-hmm. And we kind of use up our resources to, uh, to to help them in ways that don't really help them, that just keep them infantilized and mm-hmm. needy. And so uh, I'm a believer that you do what you can to be of help to others, but you always want to make sure that your own inner uh, gifts are not all used up by what you're doing for others, that you also you know, give some charity at home and be sure to take care of yourself because these resources can run out and then you'll have to re-install uh, them, which can be done. But uh, I do think it's important to have good boundaries in what you do for and with other people. So that's what I had in mind.
1: Mm. The image that comes to my mind on this topic is a well. And if mm-hmm. you're only taking water out of the well and giving it to others there's really nothing left and eventually you're not able to do anything for others you've literally the well has run dry and so this idea of being a steward of that and taking care of ourselves I think is a very important one and signs that you aren't are some kind of burnout some kind of of lack of enthusiasm for life Uh, these are signals that we need to be better guardians of that.
0: Yeah, I
1: like that. So one of the triggers that you talk about is grief. Obviously Mm -hmm. grief, there's so many reasons for grief in our lives. And particularly during this time of the pandemic, I think many of us have grieved loss in various ways, loss perhaps in our families of loved ones that have been lost or a way of life that we had that we aren't, quite able to get back to yet although this idea of opening and closing things up is it's almost like an accordion sometimes it feels to me but can you say a little bit more about grief why it is a trigger yes. and then how we can deal with it
0: yes well first of all grief or mourning is one of the wonderful inner resources that nature has given us, all of us mammals, to handle losses. So when something ends or changes radically, that grief automatically will will arise. And uh, some of us have learned to squelch our grief and not to let it come come through, like, you know, make sure I don't go to the place of sadness. Uh, Maybe I'll come up with some rose-colored glasses that tell me, uh, oh, everything will be fine. Uh, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, that kind of reaction. Um, Yes. And I think our whole society is oriented toward making sure we don't grieve, because when you grieve, you don't buy products. But uh, anyway, grief is a combination of three feelings, the way I look at it and the way I describe it in the book. First and foremost, you're sad because something has ended. Mm. That was important to you and it's left a big hole in your life. Secondly, you're angry that that happened. That's a perfectly normal feeling. And third, you're afraid of what your life will be like now that that has that big hole in it. So, letting myself be sad at how Everything in our society has changed. I can no longer have the lifestyle that I used to have with all its freedom of movement and connection and touch because of COVID. We're all mourners now. We're sad that that has come to an end, hopefully temporarily. Secondly, we're angry that It wasn't handled well enough right at the beginning so that it wouldn't have become this serious. And third, we're afraid that there's just going to be one virus after another, and we're never going to go back to our ordinary way of living. So that would be an example of letting ourselves feel the grief. Right. And of course, uh, uh, I'm pr- I'm proposing that when you let yourself go into that grief response, it's not a reaction; it's a response. Then you're less likely to be triggered mm-hmm. over and over again when you turn on the news and it says 500 more people have died in the last hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to be as triggered. Because you're going to say, oh, I'm sad about that, I'm angry about that, and it scares me. Mm -hmm. You're going to allow yourself to have the appropriate feelings that go with this kind of a crisis. Right.
1: And name it, as you just said, and probably journal about it. Tonight, mm-hmm. when, you, when you're and, and journaling, naming and journaling, like we talked about, and then mm-hmm. getting to a place of peace and contentment, because, of course, that falls under things that we can't change, things that it's not um, it's not in our power uh, to change at the moment. So, yeah. and
0: well, with that, one, unbelievably, uh, we've
1: come to the end of the show. You've been listening to The Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, and we've been discussing how to stop reacting and regain our power with Dr. David Richo, the author of the book we've been talking about, Triggers, How We Can Stop Reacting and Start Healing. You can find out more about Dr. Richo and his many books at his website, DaveRicho.com, Dave, R-I-C-H-O.com. We will also be posting his information on our website, TheYogaHour.com. So thank you so much, Dr. Richo, Dave, for joining me today on The Yoga Hour.
0: Well, thank you, Doctor. I really appreciate it.
1: Mm. For listeners, join me next time on the Yoga Hour when Halakuri, the author of Peace from Anxiety, and I will be discussing practical strategies to understand our body signals so, once again, we can release stress and begin our healing. We encourage you to join us for the many online programs offered by Yogacharya O'Brien and the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, including morning meditation, which occurs daily from 6.30 to 7.30 a.m., Pacific daily afternoon meditation from 4 to 4.30 a.m. and Sunday satsangs from 10 to 11 a.m. Pacific each week. You can learn more about these programs at csecenter.org and Yogacharya O'Brien's programs at ellengraceobrien.com. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember to subscribe to The Yoga Hour. And check us out on our website, theyogahour.com. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, founder and spiritual director of the show, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers, Ann Hayes and Mickey Coronado. And as always, Jeff Comfort and Louis Pagan in the sound booth at Unity Online Radio. I look forward to being with you again. Until then. Remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thanks for listening.